Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Monday morning, Sunday night, whichever time zone you are in, day or night. Two will be in the bed sleeping. Two will be out working. Whichever time zone you are, <laughs> one will be taken. So be that one. <laughs> there is a preparation to being that one. And we are in that road. So Father, this morning we come to you, Father. We thank you for the mercy. Your mercy, your mercy, Lord. That's why we saw another day. We are breathing. Seated here in the house of God, in our homes, wherever your people are, alive. Breathing in your life, I pray, your life. Everywhere, even those who are listening in the hospitals, Sister Sheila, MQ, Hannah, breathe in the life of God. That life that never can be defeated. By faith. Breathe in his life. Receive his life this morning. Touch us, Lord. Help us to see clearer and clearer what faith means and what faith does. Faith in God. We surrender ourselves, O Lord. Commit ourselves. Spirit, soul, and body, as you see us. Spirit first, soul, body. And that too in the light of your mercies. We surrender. Speak to us. Pray through us, Spirit of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So we go back to faith. In faith. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You have to believe that today. That is what faith faith is. You have to believe that if I seek him today, he will reward me. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You know, anything God says, you have to believe. So first and foremost about faith, you know. Uh, faith is a common word more than religion. Faith just means trust. You can trust. I mean, you cannot live without trust. All of you came. You didn't check the chairs. You just sat down because you trusted a plastic thing. <laughs> it could break under your weight. Otherwise, ask Pastor Vijay what happened to his reclining chair. He leaned back and it broke. <laughs> Yet you trusted it. We struggle to trust the God of creation. The first condition is that the object of biblical faith, saving faith, the object of our faith is God. Because faith is a very common word. You cannot, you simply cannot live without faith. If you try to live without faith, you will go mad. Madness is a result of Faith in nothing. You go mad. Insanity. A person who is sane is trusting something, even if it's himself or through the through the day we have to trust so many things. Otherwise, you will go crazy. And actually, people go crazy because they are not able to trust anything or anybody. Okay? 
Like, okay, let's go to that. So anyone, for biblical faith is he is coming to God. So the object of our faith is coming to God. And when he comes to God, he must believe that he is. That's why in the Old Testament, uh, the names of God are so important because each name is a revelation. His name is a revelation. So when he speaks that, he says, this is what I am. And you must believe that he is. Of course, the ultimate revelation is in Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Savior. Okay. So the first is we are coming to God. The object of our faith is we are coming to God. Second, when we come to God, it's everybody goes to God, like everybody came to church yesterday. But the question is, how many believed? Because it's, it, after some time, it becomes a ritual. It becomes a ritual. Like if you are a disciplined person, every morning you will open your mouth, your Bible, and do your devotions. That does not mean you went to God and believed. Religion can become, uh, that's why Jesus said, don't pray like the pagans. Okay, they just, I mean, don't be like them, because remember, you're talking to a very sensible being. Okay, don't, uh, uh, don't act as if he doesn't have brains. You're coming to a person, a real person. So anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. So our object of our faith is God. The intention of our faith is to please Him. Because in almost every religious person who goes to God, his intention is not to please God, is to please himself. He's trying to appease God to get something for himself. See, you need to understand, okay, like when you go to God, you know, your whole life, otherwise you won't, I mean, I always used to wonder, okay, I mean, at pastor's conference we said, the Bible's history of faith begins in Genesis 4, where uh, two men go to worship, basically it is worship, so you can take it into every worship service, everywhere, two people go to worship, one person's worship is accepted, other person's worship is not accepted, and the one who is not accepted gets mad, gets angry. So the whole question is, who were you worshipping? It's God who said get mad, right? But it's Cain who gets mad. So the question is, who were you worshipping? <laughs> who was the object of your faith? <laughs> so he was not sacrificing unto God. He was sacrificing unto himself. So in the church parameter, in anything of that setting, you need to realize that. Are you offering it to God? Or are you offering it to yourself? Because if you're offering it to yourself, if you're not recognized, or you're asked to sit down, or you have to step out, you get offended. So who are you sacrificing to? That's why it begins with Abel and Cain, because any man who comes to God, his intention is to please God. And if God is not pleased, he should be upset with himself and saying, oh, God is not pleased. What should I do to please him? Instead, he's angry. He's angry. This is how we look at faith. The object of our faith is God. The intention of our faith is to please Him. And then we have, we need to have also this confidence because where does it come? Because God is not a debtor of any man. So the other side of God is that He will reward anyone who diligently seeks Him. He will seek him. So, no, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It is there 
in this one single verse. There's so much over there. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So this is from where we get our assurances from. But when we flip to the new covenant in Hebrews 12 and verse 2, we saw that yesterday. The author of our faith is Jesus. Author of our faith is Jesus. Okay, the reason is, that's why the history of faith begins with Abel. Because Abel showed a way which was Jesus. You cannot, anyone who comes to God, but the problem is how do I come to God? How do I go to God? How do I go to God? It's impossible to go to God. People who tried to God randomly in the Bible, even if it was Aaron's own sons died. People who looked into the ark died. One who touched the ark with a good intention died. So how do you go to this God? He says, you can't see me, you will die. So the only way you can go to God is by going to God through Jesus Christ. So when you say through Jesus Christ, it means, what does it mean? It means believing absolutely, totally every day. I can believe in the complete work of Jesus Christ and that alone. And when I believe in that work, God allows me to come without fear. That is where the blood comes. That is where we understand what the blood does. What the blood does is it makes me acceptable to God. It makes me acceptable to God. The blood of Jesus cleanses me of all unrighteousness. And now I can come. I can come to God. I can come to God. So that is what it means. Looking unto Jesus. So he is the author of my faith. Without Jesus, I cannot come. So, the faith to approach God, because in prayer we are going to God in the name of Jesus, based on the work of Jesus. In my name you ask. Everything is in Jesus. So, he is the author of my faith, but then all the way till the end, every day it is going to God through Jesus. He becomes the finisher of our faith. There is not a single day in your life, it doesn't matter how old you are in the Lord, you can go to God other than through Jesus. There is no other way. It's only one way. So you go. So he becomes the author. And he becomes the finisher of our faith. Meaning, what does it mean? It means step by step. Some people can grow rapidly. Some people take time. But either way, you learn to trust God absolutely. That's what Jesus is saying, right? In Mark 9.23, if you can, if you can believe. So it's possible. But it's not on my side. <laughs> it's on your side. I can come preach. I can go you signs and wonders. I can bring fire down from heaven. I can raise up the dead. I can do all these things. But it's still left to you. If you can believe. All things up. If you can believe in God, the impossibilities become possible. Only if you can believe God. In Mark 11 and verse 21 onwards, 21 to 24, Peter Rombering said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Jesus answered and said to him, have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, 
Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Verse 24, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Okay, now if you go to verse 13 in chapter 11, same chapter, verse 13. Seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. But when he came to it, found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. So it was false advertisement. Okay, so he came over there. He didn't see anything. So he cursed the fig tree. That was the previous day. Today is March. 13th. He cursed it on 12th. And it's on 13th when they look, the tree is cursed. So when he cursed, nothing happened. But when he cursed, he believed it will happen. When he cursed, they didn't see anything. Otherwise, they would say, huh? You cursed, it dried. <laughs> but when he cursed, there was absolutely no doubt in his mind or in his heart it is going to happen. That's what Bible says in Hebrews 11 and verse 3. By faith we understand. By faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen are not made of things which are visible. By faith we understand. You see, Jesus understood something by faith. He understand I created by this spiritual laws. As soon as I have spoken, the roots dried. The roots dried. Next day when they see, till the top it has dried up. But when he's... Can you see the root? No. By faith we understand. By faith we understand. So now we understood that. Now the problem is we understand this. But how do you apply this? Go to James, sorry, John chapter 15, verses 1 and 2 and verse 8. I am the true wine, and my father is the wine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it bear more fruit. And then you go to verse 8. By this my father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you may will be my disciples. Now you take this principle, and we, we, we our lives branch out in so many areas. And you look at what Jesus has done. You understand the principle. The purpose of my life is to bring much fruit for the glory of my Father. Lord, every branch in me that is not bearing fruit, let it die from the roots, I believe. Then you will see things in your life falling away. Falling away. This is how you take it, everything. Because you know what? The whole idea is, Lord, first I said, the Purpose of faith is to please God. The purpose of faith is to glorify God. Glorify self. Glorify self. So you take these things and you believe in your heart and you speak. You don't have to speak over other people's life. Of course, if you're a father, you can speak over your own children. I don't know what the prodigal son's father was praying after his son left. Left every endeavor of his, which doesn't bring glory to your name, and please you, let it die. <laughs> Before you know, he ended up the big man. Because every branch died. 
Every branch died. Because we need to understand, the entire nation is going into idolatry and pagan worship, all kind of abomination. One man is crying out, heartbroken before God. God says, I see your heart. You are interested in pleasing me and glorifying me. Go tell the king, no rain, no dew in this land till my word comes from your mouth. Whole land dried up. Okay, whole land dried up. So you have to take these principles and personally apply it into your own life. Lord, if it doesn't bear fruit, if it doesn't bring you pleasure, if it doesn't bring glory, let it die. Why? One, like I said, all of us have limited time, limited energy. Limited resources and things that don't bring God glory is taking up time, taking up resources, taking up energy. And you need to realize by faith we understand only those things that please God and bring him glory will be counted in heaven for my reward. So Lord, I don't see, but I understand by faith, let it die. I am very conscious about this every day because you see, uh, my water tank is at the, it's like one floor, second floor, third floor, and above that, on the top. It doesn't have a cutoff. So I have to pump water every morning, okay? So I rush up. And when it's overflowing, I rush down and sometimes I'm catching my breath. What's wrong with you? My body says, dude, you're going to touch 60 soon. You're running like a young boy. <laughs> You realize, <laughs> you realize, okay? <laughs> Even if you are not aware of your age, your body will remind you. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so the thing is, you need to realize, when you have only so much time, like I said, the problem or the coming of Jesus Christ is that nobody knows how much time you have, whether you are young or old. So you have only this much time, you have only this much resources, and this much energy. Lord, Every branch in me that is not bearing fruit to your glory, let it die. Because the Son of Man who created everything, he is hungry and he comes to a tree he created. Nothing there. False advertisement. Nothing there. He says, you die. <laughs> he died. That's what he's telling the children of Israel. You don't praise me. The rocks and the trees will. You have no idea who is walking in your midst. God has come into your midst. You have no idea. If you don't praise me. Okay. I have a feeling that one day God will show all the churches, including our own church. He will show a different thing which we did not see. That during when the worship service is over in heaven, he will show each of our Sunday worship services with our voices mute. And we'll hear the walls and the windows and the floors were singing in their loudest voice, which we could not hear. And the trees and the plants outside were all singing glory to the living God. And he says, you know what? I received praise from all of my creation, except the ones I made in my image. So our entire purpose, faith's entire motivation, purpose, is to bring God glory. And we bring God glory by being fruitful. And fruitfulness is, see, we don't even understand it. Therefore, by faith, we speak these things. And faith has to be exercised personally every day in our lives. That's what 
Peter was talking about first Peter chapter one and verse seven about the testing of our faith. Why? So that it may be found to praise, honor, and glory. The revelation of Jesus Christ. It brings him honor. It brings him praise. It brings him glory. See, if our motivation is not right, no, like I said, that's why it's good to use the illustration of uh, uh, money. Because you can use money to help yourself, feed yourself, to bring you glory, bring you praise, bring you honor, or for somebody else. See, the thing is very neutral. In itself, it is very neutral. Money is very neutral. It takes the color of the person who is holding it. <laughs> like in the hands of a miser, it is miserly. In the hands of a generous person, the same money becomes generously if he is able to part it and give it to him. In the same way, faith. <laughs> you can take faith and feed it upon yourself. And then be judged and found. It worked, but it didn't bring you any rewards eternally. That's why I said a lot of people were healed by Jesus, but some followed him till the end. Others took it and they left. Is God stopping them? No. God is not stopping them. That's why the Bible says about faith, on that day it will be worth nothing. Because you need to realize what was your intention? What did it produce? Does it mean you are not saved? Of course you are saved. But saved people are in a race. We are talking about the race. We are not talking about salvation. Okay, so the object of our faith is God. That's in eleven twenty-two. He says, "Have faith in God." Okay, when he says, he says, "Have faith in God." Have faith in God. Mark eleven twenty-two. No, have faith in God. They said, "Lord, the tree dried up." She said, "Yeah, have faith in God." When I said that, I trusted God. <laughs> I trusted. Because why, why was I able to trust this is going to happen? Because my only intention on earth is to please my father and bring him glory. I have no other intention. Therefore, when I ask, I believe. And because I believe, I say, when I say, I know it will come to pass. Because my heart, there is no other intention. Okay, so please remember, this is basically what is happening. Because the end of faith, it should bring fruit that brings God glory. Not fruit, the fruit that brings glory, that brings God glory. That is the end of faith. And God says, the power of faith is unlimited. If you can believe, if you can believe. Nothing is impossible. He says, I take the limits of faith. Nothing is impossible. And you look at Hebrews 11.33. It's a very powerful, powerful verse. 11.33. Through faith, subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lies. That's why the list is given. How was all this done? It was done by people who believed. Now people who, like in a nation like US, people who are now suddenly realizing the agenda, the agenda is to destroy the Christian foundations. They are not on a, they are on a very clear agenda. They want to destroy the foundations of the nation. It's not about black or white or anything. They want to destroy the Christian foundations of that nation. 
Okay, that foundations, whatever other aberrations may have happened in history, the foundations were righteous. Okay, so they, how do they believe? How do they in this fight? How do they fight this fight that it is possible? Because they need to go back into the word of God and say, there were men and women before us who worked righteousness in kingdoms. They wrought righteousness. They have to be very, very clear. We, our agenda is to bring back the righteousness of God into our nation. And that's our fight. You see, even if it's a personal fight over a sickness in so many incidents, or at a national scale, if you want to win, if you want to win, even if the White House, the Senate, and the Justice Department, and the FBI has been weaponized, they are defeated only before faith. That is why you bring faith into it. Lord, this nation was founded on you. See, this was Israel's only hope. That nation was founded on God. Therefore, when you go all away and all these things happen, if you come back to this house and call upon my name, and you turn from your wicked ways, you humble yourself, turn away from it, and you call on, I will hear you. And I will heal your land. See, every nation does not have that hope. There are only two nations or a few nations who have that hope because of their foundations. So you can have, see, if you don't have, like I said, now look over, look over the, I've just been only near 33, okay? And what did they do? They obtained promises. You, the power of a promise. Israel has powerful promises. The church is built on even more powerful promise. Powerful promise. The power of the church's promise is the gates of hell can never prevail over it. This is where your boldness should come. And like Pastor Vijay was talking about church, a part of his sermon was about church. And you need to realize that is a promise given to the church. So Lord, you know what? I want to be intimately associated, yoked with, with, with the entity that can never be overcome by the enemies, the powers of darkness. I see your promise and I'm going to cling to that promise because I mean, I'm yoked. It doesn't matter about the rest, but there is a universal body of Christ. And I'm going to get yoked to that body that I am cannot be defeated because I'm yoked to that body that cannot be defeated. Okay, This is where faith comes from. Otherwise, you know what happens? We will look at the impossibilities. What makes the impossible possible? God. For God, nothing is impossible. Okay, you are God, I am man. For you, nothing is impossible. For me, everything looks impossible. He says, yes, but if you can believe. If you can believe in me. If you can believe in my promises. If you can stand there by faith. You need to realize for you to, within what I have designed for you, nothing is impossible. Absolutely nothing. Because ultimately Jesus comes, I have come to give you life, life in abundance, which we partake by faith. That's a zoe, which means overcoming. Okay. But what does the devil come for? He comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. How does he do that? By our faith. He steals our faith. Once he has stolen faith, you're on the road to death and destruction. You'd look back. How did Europe get destroyed? How did Europe get destroyed? The devil didn't do anything. He just stole their faith. 
Like I said on the pastors, there was something called the age of reason came. Once the age of reason came in, they started reasoning with faith, questioning the Bible. What was gone? Faith. See, faith is lost in the pews because faith is lost at the pulpit. Once faith is lost at the pulpit, the pew loses its faith. Then you will be only a few people who are on their own searching and all. So you will realize in the entire book of Judges, entire book of Judges, God is not going to any priest for restoration. He has to be behind a layman who still got the fire burning. Because the priests have gone. You look through the Judges, is there a priest? There's no priest. So the light was kept by, like, if you had the Protestant Reformation, it came from a Catholic priest who was struggling with faith. Because Romans 1.17 blew his mind off. He said, this is what is written. This is what is happening. What has gone? What has the church lost? You need to realize, you're looking at all the effects of what happened in the Catholic church. But what were the effects? The effects was a loss of faith. Once they lost faith, these are the results. See, if you check with any doctor, he looks at all the symptoms, but he doesn't, he wants to know what is the cause. What is causing that? That's why he also do this test, that test. Because when, because some diseases, symptoms can look similar. But in Christian nations, if you look at all these symptoms, what is the cause? They lost their Faith. He wants to steal our core, the other side of faith, core beliefs. Our core beliefs. Okay. You, what you call, you mess with, there's a book here, if I'm right, called Shared Beliefs. If I'm right, it's still here somewhere. It's called Shared Beliefs. It's a, it's a very, it's interesting book. Yeah, it's shared beliefs. Meaning, uh, Protestants, all denominations of Protestants can fellowship if you have these few common beliefs. And one of the first and fundamental common belief by which you can share is that salvation is by faith and faith alone. And in the name of Jesus, Jesus alone. You cannot add anybody to Jesus. You cannot add your works to the work of Jesus. If you cannot agree on this, then you cannot actually fellowship with them. Because if you bring Mary over there, it's gone. If you bring your work, penance, lighting candles, novena, your prayers, no, you're gone. You cannot fellowship. So you need to understand, they, the devil will come and tamper with fundamental faiths. Fundamental faiths. You tamper with that, what happens? The other faith gets affected. There are two faiths. There are two faiths. One is our fundamental doctrines. Then the other faith is your trust in God through which you receive the power, the grace of God to actually to live out the life of faith. Otherwise you cannot live the life of faith. It's impossible. God will not allow us, ask us to live by faith because you, are, you cannot. You see, you can, you can, you know, you have this, um, 
teams, university teams from all over U- US and all come who have the educational fairs over here. They will have in Dutch Krishna and all. And all you also go over there and you see all the stall, everything. Wow, this university is great. This one has great opportunities. Then when you look at the fees, you will realize <laughs> it looks all great, but you know, double edu. Right? So God will talk about this incredible life that he offers Absolute total victory, but it cannot be lived without faith. This is the other faith. The faith that every day practically touches God and his life flows in you. You want to call it virtue, you want to call it grace, you want to call it the divine power of God. That is the faith God is talking. That's why Jesus is talking. I'm speaking to a life and that life is impossible without me. I can give you the best doctrines in the world. It is not going to make any difference to you because that is impossible without appropriating the power of God. That is why no man will boast. Because if it is possible for a man, even one second to live that life of faith, then it is your life. It is not God's life. And that is the way Jesus showed. He says, I am entirely, totally dependent upon my father. And the father was pleased. First 30 years of his life, then the next 33 and a half years of his life, father is pleased because you live this entire life by faith. So what does he do? The enemy comes and steals our core beliefs and he steals our faith. And then what we actually lose, we lose our hope. You actually look at people in the West, not in the East because East is demonized in their thinking and everything in the West, the Christian nations. When you become faithless, you become hopeless. You become confused. You become depressed. Why is Prozac and all the most sold out medicines in the West? You look at their prosperity and why are they all on antidepressants? It's a contradiction, right? Prosperity. Like never before, not now. Let's put a few decades back or a few years back. Prosperity like never before. Depression and suicide like never before. What is the reason? Because when you become faithless, you become hopeless. That's what the devil does. He just has to steal our faith. Then you become tormented, you commit suicide, you become aimless, you are practically living a life that is kind of paralyzed. So in John chapter 5, verses 1 to 5 and 6, after this there was a and now there in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethsaida, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blame, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time in the pool, stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. Why are these things written? For us, when Jesus saw him lying there, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been in that condition a long time, 
he said to him, do you want to be made well? It's like actual situation of a person whose life has been literally at a standstill, paralyzed. Okay. Now, in this case, physical examples are given to understand spiritual state. Your life hasn't changed at all. It is the same thing over and over and over. There's no movement. There is no progress. Every day is like the previous day. You can predict tomorrow, today. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. It is the same. Paralyzed. Paralyzed. Okay. Now this is talking about the second fate. Not the first one. First one should be made in concrete. It never changes. The concrete beliefs, they are absolutely solid. You will never change on the fundamental truths which you know are true. So it will not, you're inflexible. But we are not talking about that. We are talking about the other one. There is no movement. Paralyzed. How many years? 38 years. And Jesus comes and asks him, Do you want to be made well? For the first time in 38 years, he is hearing a question where somebody comes and gives him hope. Do you want to be made well? Nobody has ever asked him that question. That possibility was not even there. The only thing that was told was that the first one, whichever time of the year, when the waters move, and if when it moves, it is an angel and not a stone. The first one who gets in, gets healed. That is their only, think about this hope. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and one time in the year, the water is stirred, and it has to be that stirring. First one who gets, gets healed on that hope. They've been sitting there. They've been sitting here. Okay. Now, this is another picture of religion. <laughs> this is your hope. <laughs> that in your works, one day you will go to heaven. This is your hope. And Jesus comes and says, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made whole? What you, we need to understand is, that's why this is given in very graphically, 38 years of paralysis. In one instant, his life was radically changed. In an instant, when he believed, his life was radically changed. This is why we need to realize, it doesn't matter how long you have been paralyzed or struggling with an issue. In an instant, faith can change it. Your life can be radically different. You have to believe it because that's how faith works. Because that's how God works. In an instant, his life was transformed. Picked up his mat and he walked and he went. In an instant, his life has been paralyzed for 38 years. In an instant, it was over. Dramatically changed. Luke chapter 13. Verses 10 to 13. Now he's teaching in one of the synagogues on Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years, and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up now. Jesus, from his beginning of his ministry, till he was taken up 
after 40 days after his resurrection, he was teaching and he was teaching through the spirit. Now you need to ask yourself, what is he teaching? He was always teaching the kingdom, the nature of the kingdom. He was always teaching the kingdom. The nature of the kingdom is that the kingdom is a matter of power. Okay, it's a matter of power. That's what's always teaching. You see, he says, the kingdoms, see, this is what happened between, uh, what is his name? Nicodemus and uh, Jesus. Both were teachers. Nicodemus was a teacher. Jesus was a teacher. But one teacher was surprised by the other teacher because what he saw in him was power. The kingdom is manifesting. There is a kingdom here. Okay. And that's what, so he was teaching. And in the synagogue was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and she was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. Now this is also, see, these demonic entities don't manifest in the same way. One man is not bent over, he's straight, but he's sitting there for 38 years. He's not able to move. This woman can move. But she's bent over and walking like this for 18 years. So people's problems are not the same. Some people are not moving at all. Others are moving. But they are bent over by their burdens. They are moving. They are dragging themselves. But the weight upon them, they are bent over by the troubles of the life. They are bent over. That's why that one is a man and this one is a woman. That's a man, this is a woman. Because the world is full of widows and single mothers who are bent over by the cares of life. Cares of life. Now she's been in the synagogue. And she's heard so much teaching. And then Jesus comes in. And the whole question we need to understand is, Lord, Help me to teach so those who are bent over can straighten up. Straighten up. Because the whole, Jesus, the, we are all interdependent. But also, the Bible is to make us into a blessing. I asked that question on Saturday night. You should always ask this question. You know, I am like first and foremost, I don't come to church. I come from a home to a church. So the first question I have to ask myself is, in my home, am I a burden or a blessing? Am I looking to people to serve me or do I serve my family? That's the first question I ask. Because I'm looking for all of them to serve me, which they also should do, we all serve. But am I primarily, how do I look at? Am I looking at people to serve me? Then I'm a burden. Or am I a blessing? Am I a blessing? Second thing, when I go to church, am I a burden or am I a blessing? And others of you, you go to a workplace also, third place. In that workplace, you should ask, am I a blessing or am I a burden? Joseph was an incredible blessing in his workplace. To the point, everybody is getting blessed because of him. This is typical. That's what faith does. You need to understand that faith if your faith is not partaking of the life of God, then it is a false faith. Because God said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Because God is forever giving. He's a blessing. He's not a burden to anybody. Not a burden to anybody. He's a blessing. 
It's a blessing. And that's what we teach our children as they grow up. Start the toddler. Put away your toys. Okay, I will sit with you. Let's put it together away. First two days you have to sit with him. Otherwise you will not know how to put it away. But he will put it away. Put your books back. Put your books back. I will show you. First put your books back. Second week I will tell you how to put it back. But basically what are you teaching them? Don't be a burden. Be a blessing. Otherwise you know what? What you can do, daddy ends up doing. You are taking my time. You are taking my resources. You are taking my energy which I can spend it somewhere else. You can do it. So we are not asking them to be independent of you, but you are taking them to teaching them to become a blessing. Do your chores. You wash the dishes today, I will dry it up. Or I will wash, you dry it right from the beginning, the little ones. Go put the plate back. This and usually when home is a teamwork, they enjoy it. But you know, this is the practicality of scripture. You are teaching them how we do things in life. What are you teaching them? By implicit this thing you need to realize is, is that, that you are teaching them about stewardship. You are teaching them a life of faith. The life of faith is that try as less as possible to be a burden and as far as possible to be a blessing. You teach them stewardship. Okay, I used to take, when my kids were small, I used to take them to the supermarket. And I said, come with me, show me, okay. What all do we need to buy? You have the list, okay. They all say, you write the list, this is what I have to buy. The one, the elder one will write the list, okay, let's go. You want fruit juice. I said, look over here. Check the label. Check the prices. Text check the expiry date. You know what you're learning? This is the amount of money we have. This is what we have to buy. How do we spend it with maximum benefit? You teach them. What is the whole idea is that you have only limited resources. Even if you have unlimited resources, remember, it belongs to him. You can be a blessing to somebody else. Okay. So faith is very, very practical. Very practical, it's very disciplined and the very life of God. That is what Jesus is doing with his disciples. You see, he's, he's giving them to walk with him and teaching them how do you live this life of faith. Life of faith is basically imparted. Imparted through, you know, they watch and they sing, they watch and they, they hear him pray and they say, you know, teach us to pray. Because when you pray, things happen. He says, you don't understand why things happen when I pray. Because you're only listening to my prayer out. Be blessed. You are not seeing my heart. This is the heart of my prayer. The heart of my prayer, why my prayer works is you don't see the heart. The heart is that I'm only interested in my father's name, his kingdom and his will. And I hold nothing in my heart against anybody. Therefore, my prayers get answered. They are expecting something else. He's showing them the practicality of faith life. He says, if this is the core of your faith too, later in the book of Acts, you will realize he's not there. Earlier he sent them, he, they go back to him, but now he's not there. And they realize it works for them because their heart also has been now centered around the same practicalities. This is what God is. So there is a woman bent over, bent over. Okay, are you able to see? Bent over. And he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loose from your infirmity. 
and he laid his hands on her. Immediately she was made straight and glorified God. See, every morning I come to the church office, no, except for Sundays. Every morning when I come, the Lord of old people on the road, a lot of others, a lot of old people on the road, coming back after going for their walks. You have to see their faces. You know, they're so depressed. Depressed. They're regular faces. So what I do after some time, I nod at them, I smile at them, and they smile back. You know what, you cannot stop and talk to them because you don't know the language. But you can still pass on something even through a smile. You know, there is hope. Because all of them are non-Christians. All of them are non-Christians. You can make it all. And when you get older and older, what you actually become is, you become hopeless. They are trying to sustain. They have heard all this exercise. You will die early otherwise. And they are all dragging themselves hopelessly. The roads are full early morning with hopeless people. They are bent over in their spirits because of that infirmity. Because they they have no hope. Because they have no faith. And Jesus comes and that's the question we need to realize. Our job as God's children, is to straighten people who are bent down by the weight of the world and of life. And how do you do? By imparting faith. Believe in God. That's what Jesus is saying. Believe in God. Believe in me too. Let your hearts not be troubled. You see, the only thing we can actually pass on to people is faith. Everything else we are Restricted. We are limited. But if you can pass faith on to somebody and it becomes his or her own faith, they are good. They are made for life. And you know what? She was made straight. In Mark 5, our most famous example, 25 and 26. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Medical terms, she's hemorrhaging. She's losing her life literally one drop at a time. Every book's life is in the blood. <laughs> she's not able to stem the flow. She's literally losing her life, her health, and her wealth. And her condition is not getting any better. She's on the way, road to death. On the, if this is story of so many people, so many people, right? My mother went through surgery. She came back. Noah's father went through another serious surgery. He came back. He had to go back. Why? Because in his body he had another condition. If I'm right, he's diabetic. Therefore, his stitches did not heal as fast. So everybody's bodies have different, different things. We don't know. Everybody is struggling with all kinds of issues. One man is paralyzed his legs. Another woman is bent over. This woman is losing life one drop at a time. But the answer to all is to say, the Bible says in verse 27, she heard. <laughs> when she heard about Jesus, you see the answer is always the same. Have you looked at it? Any situation over there, the answer is Jesus. So the whole idea, our whole life has to say, Lord, let me increase, decrease. Lord, you increase. So that, oh Lord, let them see you. Because if they see you, they will have faith. And if they have faith, 
Lord, they will be, they will be able to walk again. They will be straightened. Life will stop flowing out. Instead, life will start flowing in. On one side, life is flowing out. But when he, she touches it, it stops. Life flows in. That's what it is all about. All about. That is also the reason, remember in all these years, people will never understand our pastor's conference. Why we do what we do. The reason is, they are poor. And they are able to reach people we will never see or never be able to meet. Last time when we went, when Pastor Ramesh was in the hospital, he was talking about villages where almost everybody is blind. And they are one of the first pastors to go to these villages. And what are we taking them? We are taking Christ. You know? So even if we cannot go there, if we can equip others and impart faith into them to take that faith that it took the, you know what? It works like a chain reaction. See, we are not trying to impart anything else. If we can pass on Jesus, you know, because people are dying. <laughs> Either slowly or suddenly, but they're all dying surely. And the answer is faith. And faith can come only one way. There's no two ways. Faith comes from hearing from the, the word of God is Jesus. Please be very careful. You can preach for two hours and never show Jesus. And people will never get saved. You can have an evangelistic conference and we talk about so many things. People won't get saved. To get saved, you have to make the word of God into its actual representation. Is Jesus of Nazareth. Is the word of God. Because everything God has done, will do, everything is in his son. As far as man is concerned, he is reconciling the whole of creation through his son. So we have to lift the son. Jesus said, if you lift me up, so the entire purpose of preaching is to lift Jesus so that people will look at yesterday we saw the bronze serpent. But what is that? It is basically the destruction of Satan, the thief, by Jesus on the cross. So we are lifting Jesus up. But people didn't understand. A little later they are worshipping the bronze snake. But what is that? It is the destruction of the powers of darkness by the Son of God. Lift what Jesus has done. So each time a person is being healed or a demon-possessed person is set free, the Jesus is lifting up what he is going to do on the cross. And that's basically what is happening. So when, when you say faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God, please understand, the word of God is the life of Jesus Christ. There are two things about it. And the one is the, the doctrinal facts which is connected with Christ. Second is Jesus showed away. He showed up. He's the firstborn among many. He said, if I can do it, you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. Greater things than this, you shall do. If I can do it, you also can I do it. That's why when I came down from heaven, I emptied myself of all my glory and was one just like you and showed you by trusting my Father and being filled by His Spirit what you can do. What you can do. That is what we are trying to pass on. Otherwise, otherwise what will happen? You will only create dependency. And dependency is a headache. Okay? LHL was, after some time, LHL becomes a burden. Though because we look at them, because you know what? But we look at their situation. 
and we feel compassion. But all those children were completely dependent upon us. They can't raise themselves, they can't clean themselves, they cannot eat by themselves, they cannot do anything by themselves. But okay, they were born that way. But what if a man who's born normally is entirely dependent upon somebody? No. What faith makes you, it makes you independent so that you can become a blessing and not a burden. Dependent upon God and becomes a blessing to the church or the community. So faith comes from hearing. It comes from hearing. Because out that's, that's the whole idea. It cannot come any other way. Cannot come any other way. So that, it is Jesus. We have, they have to hear Jesus. Because when people are sitting in darkness, Jesus is the light. People are being brought down by spirits of infirmity, He is the healer. When they are tormented by demonic spirits, He is the deliverer. And then they have no hope because of sin. He is the savior. We sang that song in the beginning. But that is Jesus. It is not what you do. It is by believing in Him and receiving it from Him. And then you pick up your mat and you walk. He is, he is, he is. In Matthew 15 and verse 5, if I'm right. No, I'll leave it alone. I think, I think it's... Uh, where it... Uh, tormented, okay, no? Yeah, Mark, 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 not Matthew. Let me give you, that's a very powerful, very powerful. I mean, Pastor Vijay, we all had priest on this. Pastor Vijay priest about it a few weeks back. Chapter 5, chapter 5. Okay. 515, 515. Mark 515. So I wrote it as 15, 5, it's 515. Got it? Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon possessed. And had, you know, he was demon possessed. He was actually, his body was actually used by the demons to do their works. And had legion sitting and clothed in his right man, right mind, and they were afraid. How long did it take it for Jesus? Do you know how many times I have seen this? Absolutely, totally demon possessed people being delivered just like this. Power of his name. Just like this. It just Sometimes it just takes less than 60 seconds. And before you know, they are in their right man, right mind. Right mind. Before you know, it's, it's over. The power of darkness is broken. That's what the Bible is talking about. Why did it all happen? Because Jesus went to him. What Jesus can do? See, if you don't believe... That when God says all things, if you only you can believe, this is the worst case scenario. If you have all scenarios, this is the worst case scenario. Because he was demon possessed and had a legion. Now he's sitting there in his right mind. The question is, do we believe? John 6, verse 5 and 6. Jesus lifted up his eyes, seeing a great multitude coming toward him. He said to Peter, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? 
But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. It's a constant thing. The church sees this multitude, millions. We used when we got saved uh, in 1984. In that little group, we used to sing a song, Millions Untold, Who Will Tell Them of Jesus' Love. You look at, actually you look at the demand. You look at the unsaved millions upon millions upon millions upon millions. We will look at them and say, how are we going to feed them? How are you going to feed them? How is, how is it even remotely possible, even if we get 2000 years more that the gospel reaches to all these people? This is, this is the reality to you. Wake up. Because every day, millions are getting born again. <laughs> you look at the demand, you realize, Lord, how is it ever possible? And the fact, remember, this used to happen to me in the old days, especially when I was traveling to the Northeast, when I sit in Havara Station, <laughs> one of the largest stations in India. It is like train, 24 platforms. 24 platforms. And on another side is local trains, the suburban trains. It is like a madhouse. It is people coming and going, coming, coming. And I used to sit there because I reach in the morning, my next train may be in the evening and I'm looking at these millions. And you know, there's hardly anybody that is in that groups who are saved. And I used to say, I'm here on a mission to be the North. I'm saying, Lord, how is it ever possible these people will hear how is it ever possible? Think about it. This is the reality the church wakes up every morning. Because you look at the demand. And you look at what you have. In Matthew 6. Sorry, Matthew 9 and verse 16. Matthew 9 and verse 16. 9, 16. Oh. What's wrong with me today? I'm picking up all. <laughs> Pastor Vijay, I should have studied maths better. <laughs> I'm even getting my numbers mixed up. Hmm? No, it is a feeding of the 5,000 in Matthew. Hmm? Got it? No, 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 it is not that. It's not that. It is where he, it's the same, it's the same parable. There's a little difference in the Matthew one. Okay. Matthew. Okay. Um, he says, give it to me. Okay, it's Matthew or one of the Gospels. He said, give it to me. And the Bible says he took it. And he looked up to heavens. Okay, no, in for Matthew, I think, maybe it is Mark. Or it's one of the Gospels. Okay, it doesn't matter. He took it in his hands and he looked up to heavens. And he gave thanks. Okay. That's what we are called to do every day. You wake up every day and you look at the demand. And you look at what you have. You give it into his hands. 
and you look up. In Psalm 121, verse 1 and 2. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Jesus is simply teaching us simple practical things every day. He says, look up. Look up. What you have, put it into my hands. Put it into my hands and look up. Then you will realize what you have is enough. The problem is as long as you don't release your burden and your blessing into my hands, both. What I have is my blessing. What I see is the burden. You have to release both into my hands. No, we release our burden into his hands and keep the blessing to ourselves and we realize why is it not still taken care of? God says you didn't give me the blessings. Give the blessings. Okay. The blessing we have is five loaves and two fish. The burden we have is this huge whatever issue. Here in this case it's a multitude. He says give it to me. Give it to me. And suddenly you realize at the end of that day it is enough. It is enough. Because it's the Lord who multiplies. It's the Lord who multiplies. The Lord is the one who can multiply your strength. Increase your, to multiply means to increase. Increase your strength to meet all the demands of that day. The Lord is the one who is able to see that However huge the burden is, the demand is, that amount of time is enough for you to finish it. You have to bring it into your own reality. Because some people, it's not that they are run, what we call running, racing against time. And he's the only one who can make time work for you and not against you. And that's what Joshua realized, the man who was so cowardly, fell on his face and started asking, why did you bring over here? His faith is so bummed up, he's able to make time work for him. Because he says, I cannot let this battle go into another day. Many of them may escape. I need to finish today. And he suddenly made time work for him. What did you do? He looked up. He looked up. Because everybody's demands are not the same. Some people are fighting because they don't have resources. Some people are fighting because they do not have strength. Some people are fighting because they do not have time. But you need to realize you have to believe he is the Lord of all. So all these aspects are covered in the pages of the Bible. Every aspect of a human being's life is covered in the pages of the Bible. So God says to Moses, go tell Israel, I am that who I am. I am that who I am. Let me put across in terms which we understand in Indian. Or let us put a term, name which everybody will understand. Elon Musk, currently the richest man in it, in the world. And you are living, let us say, in US. And he gives you his checkbook with every check leaf signed. 100 page checkbook and said, signed. You can fill it as your need comes. Credit up to 300 billion. He gives it to you. Suddenly what happens? You realize, you know what? In a natural life, I can meet every need. I won't even need one billion. I will need only a fraction of this. This is what God is telling 
what who do i say because i have come from egypt i grew up in egypt so many gods with so many names for every need there is one god who do i say he says here is a blank check i am that who i am put my name according to your need this is who i am this is how faith comes this is how faith comes so faith in the old covenant a personal experiences of people and it doesn't matter who that person is it can be a, a single mother who's kicked out of her house with a child called hagar who names god the lord who sees me you do not realize that in these thousands of years thousands upon thousands of single mothers and widows or somebody who lost a husband with three have gone over and have taken faith from the words of hagar a woman to whom first time god says where are you coming from where are you going go back and submit actually becomes the first person to give god a name in the bible wow. all to the others god is revealing his name she names god and god accepts it accepts it this is faith this is faith okay so we we faith does not magnify our issues and our problems faith magnifies god no, sight will magnify your problems but faith magnifies faith is not negating your problems but it is magnifying christ what christ has done that is what the bible says if we are able to go to him he is able to save me to the uttermost Let me ask you this question what is he saving me of primarily he is saving me of every doubt every fear every unbelief that's all he has to do and then fills me with faith he says that's all you need if you can believe in your life within the parameters of what my father has decided for you all things are possible not one will fail if you believe you are not in a competition you don't have to look at anybody you just have to find out from my father what does he want you to do everything possible that's all it's so simple as that and the devil knows that therefore he is not coming there to to steal anything else he's there to steal your faith because if he steals your faith he will steal your hope then you become hopeless hopeless comes hopeless you know and every day every day every day think about that widow in uh, zarefat zarefat you know it's, it's i mean what she her reality what she is hearing because you have to evaluate people's faith based on their reality she's literally what we say in english back against the wall on her last legs all she has left is a handful of flour and a little oil that's all she has said she's getting ready for her last meal that's when the prophet appears and he says make make me a cake first and he says if you do this is what god says your bin and your oil will not run out until that day comes 
That is why I was trying to encourage you people after before you left. Which is true. Every day, every day. I mean, I mean let me mention it. I, I never say these things because I don't want people misunderstanding. Oh, pastor is broke and he's soliciting. I'm never broke. Never broke. Never broke. Okay? I don't know what it is to be broke. Broke means you have nothing. Okay? But towards the end of the day, the bin empties. <laughs> end of the day, the bin empties. But that's exactly what you told me. I will keep filling it every day. Until the rain comes. So I have to trust him. The problem is, this is what you need to realize. Okay. Elijah's widow. Here's this. Sunday, miracle happens. And then Monday she goes to the bin. And the problem with the bin is that it only fills enough for three people every day. It is like the manna. And she says, okay, you know what? I will make the dough a little smaller. <laughs> Save a little. Okay. I mean, every day it is the same story. Like, like I was saying, Saturday, the need is there. You cannot shut your eyes. The need is absolute, genuine, desperate. I said, okay, here it goes. It went. See, today to give is very easy. One click. Gone. Old days it was more difficult. You had time to evaluate and change your mind. Today you, today actually faith is much easier. Because before you change your mind, you can click. It is gone. Now Sunday morning has come. Okay, Sunday morning has come. And Sunday morning is not pleasing. It is not a nice day because one car is gone. To fix it, it will cost a fortune. Other car, AC is gone, suspension gone. To fix that cost, another fortune. So we are debating to go by Uber or to get a lift. So we got a lift. So you are sitting in the back seat with a lift. and going and then you hear suddenly a click. I said, okay, one text has come. And look at, okay, it's a bank text. So, so many things come in by this thing. Is it mine or is it one of the, is it the church, is it the ministry? Hello, it's mine. Oh, mine? Sunday morning. And then I realized it is mine. God has filled the bin again. <laughs> then I first, I wrote and said, I was so touched by God and the person. Because the person who sent is a single mother raising up two boys in a very extremely difficult environment. So I said, thank you so much. You wouldn't realize. It really, really pumped my faith as I'm going to church. And after church, I write, uh, get a reply from her, say, Pastor James, he's saying, Vijay, always encouraged by your faith. I Last week, I was trying to send it. But there was a hitch. The Spirit of the Lord put it heavily on my heart to send it to you. I just recovering from a car accident, a big accident. But thank God the boys were not there. The car is for repair. But the Lord had told me to send it to you. The Lord told her to send it last week. There was a hitch in the system. But it came right on time on Sunday morning. And don't worry, by Sunday evening, the window was empty again. Okay. Another need came. But the thing is that you need to realize. Okay. Now, this is the interesting part of the ravens of Elijah. The thing is that 
you believe this, you do not know which raven will come where it will come from don't even get used to the raven oh i know that raven i have identified him i have taken a snapshot <laughs> <laughs> With God, don't do these things, okay? So please, Robert, I mean, this is how you, you build your faith. And then, you come to Mark chapter 2. If I'm right, I hope I'm getting my numbers right today. And words one onwards. Okay. Yes. He entered Capernaum after some days. It was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together, so there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when God, Jesus saw their faith, Sometimes we need to realize the faith of one person is not enough to handle your situation. We may have to combine our faith. There is a man lying in that bed. He has faith. But he needs four people who have the faith to carry him. Okay, four people to carry him. Okay. Then you reach the house and you realize there is no way of entry. That's the point. At that point, many people will give up. Because every point of faith, there are blocks. Every step, there are blocks. First is the man lying in the bed. He has to have faith that. Next, he has to call friends who have faith. Then when they bring over that, everything is blocked. Now, you are so desperate, you will say, you know what? We have to make our way. God says very clearly in the scripture, you will not be tested beyond your strength. You'll always make a way. They made a way. You need to understand. In life, you will need people sometimes who have faith to be with you. And people who will not quit until they have made a way, until you reach Jesus. That's why he said, keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Men should always pray and never give up. And Jesus Honestly, was stunned by their fate. He said, I keep telling in meetings, you know, all the people in that thing must have been a straw roof and whatever, mud and all. Everything is falling down. Everybody, then his man is set down. Everybody is looking at the man, not Jesus. Jesus is looking up. So what he sees is four faces peering, holding the rope. He's looking at those four. Everybody is looking down when he saw their faith. Okay, and he saw their faith. That's when, that's, sometimes God allows hurdles. Allows hurdles. And we quit. We quit. We quit. So in English, these are all taken from the Bible, put in man's words, but basically, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. These are five tough men. They refuse to quit. They refuse to quit. Sunday we are preaching about enduring faith. Everything is a test. Everything is a test. It's a test of what? Don't give up. 
once you know who God is, and once you know this is right in God's eyes, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. You need to ask. Because we know exactly how it is. <laughs> Imagine if one man's faith had failed in that group. Because we know. Sami knows. I know. Ma knows. How many people it takes to get my mother off the bed, onto the stretcher, into the ambulance. We know how many people it takes. <laughs> and this is not even getting into an ambulance, modern kind of ambulance with wheels and stretchers and all. No. This is carrying him from his home to the house, hoping to get him in. Now he doesn't get, can't get in. Now they have to get him onto the roof. One man's faith fails. The entire episode is over. It's over. One man says, it's not possible. Then another one says, because what happens is, unbelief spreads very fast. That's what happened. Two people had faith, ten had unbelief. It spread in the entire camp. So you are talking about five people, or which each one is encouraging the other. Sick man is telling, don't, please, please, we have to find a way, find a way. And they say, Anna, you don't worry, we will find a way. We will, and they are thinking, okay, let's break the roof. Let's break the roof. You need to realize a faith that will not quit in the front of obstacles. Keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. We need to have absolutely strong convictions about who he is. If you don't want to quit, this is who my God is. This is who he is. And we need to have absolutely like one John 5, 14 and 15 knows. We need to have absolutely strong convictions. This is the will. This is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. People don't know the will of God because people don't read their word in faith. When you pray for the salvation of unsaved loved ones, what confidence do you have? It is not the will of God that any man should perish. And this is your own flesh and blood. If you are willing, Jesus says, I am willing. So why is that you have doubt when it comes to healing? Why is that? I told my wife this morning, I'm believing, I'm praying, you'll get rid of your arthritis medication also. I changed the name. I said, you are chemically dependent now. <laughs> we shall, by faith, and so you don't have to throw it all away in one day, but by faith, we shall get rid of all medication. We shall. I have no issues with medication also. I'm not saying I'm not okay. It's God who created us using elements, put us together. Elements go out of turn. They put in some elements, put it okay. But, if you are willing, that's why with, with, with people, you know, no. Why do you so give up so, so, see, first you have to believe in God. Second, you have to believe in healing. You have to have absolutely strong convictions. Okay? This is God who heals, the will of God to be healed. After that, you look for blocks. What are the blocks? 
Lord, tell me what. Till then, take your medication. No issues. Handle all that. There is no God has no issues with medication and all. The wisdom come from God. All that. But go back and keep Lord. Where is the block? 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 Show me, Lord. I believe. My conviction about this is absolute. I believe. I believe. This is who you are. This is who you are. I believe. I believe. Go to James chapter 2. One of the most powerful passages in the Bible about faith, 21 to 25. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? And scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God. It was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? Did you see the most powerful verses in the Bible about faith? The two examples used. One is at the top of the ladder. Abraham. The other is at the bottom of the ladder, a Canaanite prostitute in Jericho. Faith is the equalizer. God said, I am not a respecter of persons. Because every man is the same at the foot of the cross. Abraham gets healed, you get healed by the blood of my son. It is not the works of man, it is the gift of God. This is one of the most this, this, if you understand what God is saying in this passage, it will blow your mind up. See, so it doesn't matter because the world divides people into categories. God says, you see, in these five verses, I put two people together, the father of faith and the Jericho, the Canaanite prostitute. He believed, she believed. Both were justified by their faith. Both were justified by their faith. What an awesome message it is. Because you could be at the top of the ladder in the world. You could be the richest man in the world, Elon Musk. He also needs salvation. You could be a beggar on the roadside. You also need salvation. Because you need to understand. I want to show you that too. Go to Luke chapter 18. Verse 24. When Jesus saw that, he became very sorrowful and he said, 24 to 27, okay. He became very sorrowful and he said, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? Yeah. No, no, till 27. (laughs) For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, who then can be saved? then can be saved. Verse 27. He said, the things which are impossible with men are possible. So there are things which are impossible with men. Impossible with men. There are things which are possible with men. Are possible with God. Do you know what is impossible with men? Salvation. See, you can believe for almost everything else from God. To believe for salvation is impossible with man. 
Everything that you hear in the gospel is about something receiving from God. Salvation, it's impossible from God, man. Why? Because you have to first and all receive the gift of repentance from God. You need to receive the gift of faith from God. Then you receive the gift of righteousness from God. There is absolutely nothing you can do. That's why it is difficult to get saved. So it's, it's impossible with man to get saved. It's possible for an unbeliever to get healed. It's possible. Of course you can get healed. He hears about Jesus, go to Jesus, Jesus is compassionate and heals him. There are so many things which is possible for a man to receive from God if he's able to believe. But salvation? No. And the richer you are, the more difficult it becomes. It becomes more difficult. Why? Because to get saved. See, why is people struggling with the salvation experience? Yesterday I had this question. One of my online kids asked this question. Say, uh, Dad, did you, did you, did you st struggle with uh, obscenity? Obscenity. Talking about somebody else. This one is always stalking filthy language. I said, don't worry because that one is saved. Not saved, you are saved. That's the, that's the only. So don't worry about all that. Those are outward things. I'll tell you what happened. Probably even now in the current, if you go by the past, before you were saved, I was the most obscene person surviving in the church. That was my language. Every second word was absolutely filthy. That's how I talked before I got saved. See, the day I got saved, I did not know I was saved. Because when you get saved, you do not know you are really saved because <laughs> there is no visible falling from the hearts and all that. It's a Paul's experience. None of us fell anywhere. We prayed. We asked Jesus to come in. And then two or three, I still remember, two or three days later, evening, I was going from a college with my friends down the steps, Marivanya Stivandrum, down the steps, we go for our coffee. One of my friends looked at me and said, what's wrong with you? She looked at me and said, what's wrong with me? What do you mean? I said, everything is okay. No. I said, have you realized? I said, what? Your language has changed. I said, what do you mean? I said, you know, I've been observing you past three days. Not one obscene word has come out of your mouth. And I did not know. For me, the first proof of my salvation to myself is that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, my words had changed. And I didn't even realize it had changed. The conversation changes. For me, that was my first proof, my first evidence. <laughs> Later when I read Acts chapter 2, tongues of fire, and I'll realize, yeah, I know fire, but my tongue changed. I did not receive tongues, but my tongue changed. Obscenity was taken out of my tongue. I cannot remember from that day till today, me actually after that speaking a sentence of obscenity. Something there is a 
hold in this thing in your head you don't even if by mistake you're watching a movie where there is one word of obscenity there's a churning in you that that is not kosher the rest was okay that is kosher because one of the first things got touched and i got saved was with obscenity obscenity okay so you need to realize you know the things which are impossible with men is possible with god now if i had tried on my own it probably would have taken me a few years of struggling and be conscious but when it happened it just happened like that just happened like that all i did was i believed the next thing i realized it's gone and i'm not even aware it's gone it's gone okay so you need to realize what god is actually talking about actually look that's what happening over here He says things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Like I said, and then the practical lesson comes. We don't want to go over there, but after that, what you have is Bartimaeus. As he's going into Jericho, one account is going into Jericho, another account is getting out of Jericho. Whatever it is, this is huge crowd, and Bartimaeus hears. But actually. Bartimaeus shouts. They told him to shut down. He shouts laughter. Jesus stops. I want to look at eighteen and verse forty-two. What Jesus tells Bartimaeus. Jesus said to him, "Receive your sight. Your faith. Your faith has made you well." My question too is, what was the only evidence of his faith? he shouted louder than all the noise around he shouted even more louder when all of them told him contrary stop let me ask you this question do you do this you need to do it sometimes you need to go up to the top of your terrace and say lord i believe i believe every voice is contrary but i believe i believe i believe That's what Job in his misery is saying. I believe, even if you slay me, I will still serve you. That's my conviction. And Jesus stopped because he heard. Because every other voice is contrary. Your situation is contrary. But sometimes you need to shout so that you reinforce your own convictions. I believe, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy. And you look at it. This is not the woman who came from the back. This is a man who shouted, and Jesus said to him, "Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well." Faith never changes. It's always the same. It's always the same. It is always the same. This is why we need to read scriptures. This is why we need to bring into every situation of ours. We have to bring faith in, and once we bring faith in, every day, I heard, I believe, I do. I hear, I believe, I speak, I do. What is God? What does God want me to do? I believe, I speak, I do. I believe. Doesn't matter how many times. One day you will realize it. It works. it works it works after that i am telling you you know it is is easy 
whichever area of your life has been taken over by faith, you will realize there is no fear, there is no doubt, there is no anxiety, there is no worry there. And that way you conquer your entire soul until faith becomes your default setting. That is what God is talking about. You shall live by faith and not by sight. After that you don't have to worry. Your life is pleasing to God. Your life is pleasing. That also you have to take by faith. Okay, Because God is not going to like Jesus shout from heaven, my son I am well pleased with. You just live by faith. You will know he is pleased. You will know he is pleased. One day at a time, bring faith in into each area. Till what? In this journey, don't quit. Let's have Peter. Don't quit. Few idiots who have the habit of hacking in my mail because they are jobless. I wrote, your wife will die, your wife will die. <laughs> your wife will die. I wrote back to you, my foot, my wife will die. <laughs> God is not the God of death. You worship the God of death. That's why you think that way. I worship the God of life. She will love. You have idea how many voices I have to listen to. Online voices, they write to me. <laughs> I'll show you after the service. <laughs> See, people we do not know also are watching our services. And they listen to the announcements much carefully than you. Because in one announcement they realize my wife did not come to church. Then she came. They heard she was sick. They all started, your wife will die, your wife will die, your wife will die. <laughs> Jobless wonders. <laughs> Please pray for U.S. Okay, because they are panicking today. There may be a run on the banks. Today is Monday. Over that SVP, they are fearing there may be panic in the markets. People will all try. That's how banks shut down. People withdraw their money, and the bank collapses. Because what happens is banks lend out more money than they actually have. And when the depositors come and withdraw their money, the bank collapses. That's how Charminar and all collapsed. All these people, they collapse. So they are panicking. We don't want, because we have too many people of our own, lots and lots of our own people there. God's children, whom we are yoked. First. Yes, let's have Peter, Samuel. Let's have Peter. Mm-hmm. You are not a God created by human hands. You are not a God dependent on an immortal man. You are not a God in need of anything by your plans it's just the way it is you are not a God created you are not a God created 
situation your children are now. Let them believe. Let Hannah believe that she'll pick up her mat and she will walk. MQ believe he will pick up his mat and walk. There is a fight of faith to be fought, a race to be run and finished. A life to be loved, to please God, to bear fruit for Him and bring Him glory, praise and honor. 
for you alone are God. This morning, Father, we commit all your servants out there. It doesn't matter how many hurdles they are facing, like Ace, cases all around the country. But Lord, let him believe. Let him believe. Let him believe that through Christ, he can do all things. Let him believe God will arise and his enemies will be scattered. Let him believe his mountains will be moved. Let Archie believe Brad, Mike and see. Yes, they're all old. But Lord, you are the strength of our life. You are our glory and the lifter of our heads. The spirit that resides in us is the very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And your word says that spirit will quicken our mortal bodies. The very bodies that bear the marks of sin and sickness and weakness and death. Your word says the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life. So we are not appealing or speaking to the body. By faith we are speaking to the spirit to quicken that dead body. Heal that body. Raise that body. Lift that body. Strengthen that body. The world needs steroids. The world needs alcohol. The world needs drugs. But we need the Spirit of God in increasing measure. Fill your people even more today, Lord. Everyone out there feeling weak in their bodies, sick in their bodies, infirm in their bodies, whether they are at home or in the ICU. Lord, fill them. Let them be drunk in the Holy Spirit today. Sister Penny, Uncle Marshall, Brother Lynn, Brad Mike C, Ace Archie, Hannah MQ, everyone out there, Mr. C's mother, Sister Sheila in Unicopus, Amma, fill them, for your spirit is power, for your spirit is might, your spirit is strength. It's your spirit that brings your life into our mortal bodies. Fill us, Lord. 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 With your spirit, fill us. Fill us, fill us, fill us. For you are unshakable, immovable, unstoppable. And when you fill us, your life becomes ours. We too become unshakable, immovable, and in the plan and the purpose of God, unstoppable. That's what you told Joshua. All the days of your life, no man will be able to withstand you. Because as I was with Moses, so I with you. But to us, we have a greater promise. 
as you were with your son Jesus, so will you be with us. And he was unstoppable. That's what we believe. That's what we want to believe with all our heart. That is who you are. Touch people for a new week. Fill them with your power and strength. Your faith, your hope, your wisdom, your discernment. All that is yours and that is our portion. Fill, Lord. We want nothing that is of ours, that is of earth. We want everything that is of God's and that is of heaven. For the first man is of earth. But the second man is of heaven. And we are of the second man. The life-giving spirit. We want to witness him. And not witness ourselves. Touch Lord. Touch today. Everyone. Even if I have forgotten their names. Touch them. The ones in our own church. Kirti. Touch her. Sister Sheila. Touch her. Sister Suchi Lord. Mood out of Hyderabad to Bangalore. All new. Touch her. Let her know she only left GTC Hyderabad. But the God of GTC is with her in Bangalore. For you are the one who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let our hope and our faith be in you. Touch everyone. The babies, the twins, everyone out there. Every born unborn baby, children, our own children, everyone, you are with them. Arya who turned one month, touch her. Touch our children, touch our youth. Even those who like the prodigals have gone away, bring to their remembrance your goodness that they may come to their senses and start speaking to themselves life for you are the God of resurrection even the dead have hope they are dead in their sins dead in their trespasses they still have hope or if they hear about Jesus they shall love and not die in their sins 